They said, do you have any kids at your church? <laughs> yeah. I think we have more okay, kids. Okay, let me give you adults. a little quiz this morning. Um, I was uh, listening to the radio, and I was listening to a report. What do you think is the best-selling book of all time? The Bible. Okay, that was fairly easy. I mean, you're in church. I mean, uh, what would I say? Um, Anybody have any idea how many copies per year of the Bible are sold? Who's who's heard 100 million? I heard 100 million. You said 100 million? Somebody over there said 100. You heard the same broadcast I did, maybe? 100 million copies a year are sold, and it's still, it's the best-selling book of all time, and it's still selling 100 million copies a year on average. Now, here's the thing that will kind of shock you. I mean, that to me is, I don't know how to calculate numbers that big, yet there are still many, many people that have never heard the gospel. They have no idea who Jesus is. They have no idea that there's a God who who lives them, lives for them and loves them and has gone before them. And in a lot of places, there are pastors and leaders that do not own a Bible. They have to literally borrow a Bible from somebody if they can even get their hands on one in order to prepare a message. So that, it was just amazing to me that in this age, and with 100 million copies a year sold, that there's still the uh, dearth of, of Bible opportunity out there. Our guest this morning is doing everything he can to eradicate that problem and uh, has been serving the Lord for many, many years, probably, what, 40 years, 50, uh, a, long, a long time. And uh, he, is the, uh, he is one of the directors of Mission. That helicopter out there uh, came with him and his lovely wife, Sarah. Um, Sarah, I'm glad you're here because I didn't know if we could really deal with him anymore without you being here to help, you know, rein him in. So I'm trusting you. I'm counting on you. And um, this is Ben Dodds-White, Reverend Ben Dodds-White. He has been a mentor of mine for over 25 years, and he is going to deliver the word, and the word that he delivers every day of his life. And uh, brother, just come and share what God has put on your heart for us today. Would you just welcome him, please? that work? Okay. I want to appreciate, uh, express appreciation for George Tanner for helping me with the helicopter this morning. Thank you, George. <laughs> there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we continue to walk in that name, we find that every day is different. Every day is new. I don't know about you, but I get uh, bored easily. But when you walk by faith, things don't get boring so often. It's just wonderful to be able to walk in the ways of the Lord, imperfect as we are. If you're perfect, raise your hand. So this is, we're in good company. All of us, I told somebody this morning, I greeted our neighbor, he lives across the street from the Hello Mission house, and I said, Archie, 
He told me about how he tried to do something. He was carrying something in a wagon. The wagon tipped over, and uh, he let out a blue streak of words that uh, he normally doesn't use. And then he says, I just felt so bad. I says, Archie, listen. Uh, you're weak. You're flawed, and so am I. The beauty is you know you're weak. You know you're flawed. Have you met someone who's deeply flawed and they don't know it? Now you have a problem. But that's why the Lord has come to reveal to us in loving confrontation our true condition. And once we become aware of our true condition, we realize his strength is made perfect <coughs> Excuse me, in our weakness. Memorial Day. It used to be called Decoration Day after the Civil War. Some women, so I understand in Waterloo, New York, different cities claim that Memorial Day started there. Charlotte, North Carolina, Bowlesville, Pennsylvania, but the only federal recognized place in terms of the origin of Memorial Day is Waterloo, New York. So they said, let's go and put flowers on the graves of those who have fallen. So Memorial Day is a day that we remember those who have given their lives. Veterans Day is we remember those who are still serving and we honor, we honor those. But I want to talk just a little bit this morning about building memorials. How can you, how can I build a memorial so that when you breathe your last, there'll be a confidence that you've done your best, or at least close to it. By the grace of God, you've leaned into the Lord and he's helped you to build a memorial. There are different ways to build a memorial. And one of the ways that I think is very, very important is... To this is very practical now, okay, is to leave every place better than you found it. It may be a plastic water bottle out in the parking lot. You don't walk by it. You pick it up and you put it in the trash. When you're walking across campus, when you're walking into a public restroom at Walmart and there's a heap of paper towels on the floor. Pick them up. Are you kidding? That's so gross. Pick it up. Put it in the waste paper basket. I was traveling with Costa Dare years ago. Some of us know Costa Dare. Costa Dare was from Palestine and he, was, he could be pretty brutal. And I traveled with him for six weeks in Tanzania. We were staying in this little hotel. And I came out of the bathroom and Costa Dare walked in and I heard him say, Ben! Come in here! So I went back in the bathroom and he pointed to some hairs in the sink. Are these yours? Oh, yeah. Leave every place better than you found it. So I quickly grabbed a piece of toilet paper and wiped up the hairs. But when one of your leaders shouts at you, you tend to remember those words. Do not 
be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Anything good you do is spiritual warfare. You can overcome evil with good, practical things. There was this woman, I, didn't, I couldn't figure out why there was this disconnect. I knew she loved missions, but every time I was around her, there was just this disconnect, this ill feeling that I got. And so, if you know me, you know I like ice cream. I went to George Francis, and suddenly I got this revelation. I, I can buy a quart of ice cream and take it to this woman. So I paid, I don't forget how much it was, I got a quart of ice cream, I went to her door and knocked on the door. She came, just looked at me, I said, here. She says, what's that? I said, it's a quart of ice cream. Why? I said, I don't know. I just thought it's hot out. I thought maybe you would like some ice cream. She took it and closed the door. <laughs> but the next time I saw her, you'd have thought that I was her long-lost cousin. She came up. She gave me a hug. We talked. And I don't know, did it, could a quart of ice cream change things? It's possible that just little things can help. Does your neighbor's car need washing? Now that's going to be kind of strange. You go over and start to wash your neighbor's car. He's going to think, okay, this is like totally, what are you doing to my car? So it's spiritually discerned and spiritually understood. All of us have a sphere of influence. We all have people that we connect with. I don't connect with your people group. I don't know the people that you know. But you have a relationship. You know these people. And for us to build a memorial, it takes baby steps. Looking for ways, hearing what the Spirit is saying, looking for ways to do something good. If you go to Lima Diner, Lima Diner is a great place. I love the Lima Diner, but there's this one guy. He, he, he loves to shock people. He will think of the most offensive thing, and he'll blurt it right out for the whole restaurant to hear. And so I was walking in my garage, and I have a little truck collection. And my favorite truck is a cement mixer. And this man's name is Ken, and his favorite truck is a Kenworth. And I looked at my favorite truck, and guess what kind it was? A Kenworth. And I felt the Lord say, give it to Ken. I said, no. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's my favorite truck. So then the Lord is silent, and you know what that means. So I grab my truck, and I go down to the Lima Diner, and I walk in, and I said, he said, what's that for? I said, it's a truck. It's a Kenworth. What am I supposed to do with it? I said, whatever you want. It's yours. I'm giving it to you. He just looked at it. Two weeks later, he says to me, come on out in the truck. I said, okay. He says, I got something for you. So I follow him out, and he gives me a brand new tractor trailer in the box. 
It was awesome. And I said, I have it in my garage now. I'll put a Hell Emission sticker on it. And I took a picture of it, and I showed it to Ken. I said, here's your truck. Look. So this has been probably four years I've known this man. And the other day, Sarah and I were having breakfast, and I said, you know, it's time for me to plant a positive seed. I've been friends with this man, but now I have to use the word of God with this man. And Sarah said, I'll walk home. <laughs> because she, she's fine. She has her own strengths and weaknesses. But with Ken, she knew Ken. And there was no, I had no idea what was going to happen. So I just sat down in front of Ken, talked a little bit, and uh, I said, Ken, the thing is, we have to keep the main thing the main thing. I said, and the main thing is Jesus. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I smiled. He says, well, you give me a Bible, I'll use the page to... And he said something that had shock value. But... When we use the word, the word we know is alive and powerful and sharp. I remember hearing someone say, if a burglar breaks into your room at night and you have a 45 in your nightstand and he's going through your dresser drawer, taking your jewelry, you don't explain to him that you have a 45. You can say, this is a gun. That's not a real gun. Yes, it is. Look, and you cock it. It's a real gun. It's metal. That's, not a, that's a toy gun. What do you do? You, if necessary, you use it. And the word of God is alive and powerful. And sometimes we're just a little bit too embarrassed. We're not sure what people will think, say, or do if we start. You know, we're not Bible thumpers as such, but sometimes we need to be. I figure if somebody has shock value and he tries to shock me with his words, guess what? I can shock back. I can. Because I know that there's a word that's alive and powerful. That's what I love about New York City. You can go to New York City and preach all day long on the street corner. We came back from Africa years ago and I went across to my neighbor and he was out spraying his lawn and I said, John... How are you doing spiritually? He stood up and he says, you keep your religion on your side of the street. I was in culture shock because in Africa, you can talk to people about the Lord. Here, it's just, unless you build a relationship, unless they know you care, they will come back at you and it'll be difficult. So we, we move slowly, but we do move forward. So we honor God in our friendships. We don't hesitate. When the Holy Spirit says, share something, share a word, give a verse, then we just get out of the boat and say, okay, Lord, here goes. Another way we can build a monument or a memorial is by honoring God 
We honor our friends. We respect them. We build relationships. And we also, we also honor God. And this is, I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but by honoring God, we get up in the morning just a little earlier than usual. And we say, Lord, I give you praise today. I have no idea what today holds. Uh, so, Lord, you, you have to help me here. I would like to be a Christian one more day. Can you help me walk like one? Can you help me talk like one? In Jesus' name, Father, I cannot do it without you. I honor you today. I ask you for help today. Romans 1 when they knew God, they didn't glorify him as God, neither were they thankful. And their foolish hearts became darkened. I think in many ways we're living in a nation of darkened hearts because we have refused in many ways, especially the world at large, we've refused to honor God, to be thankful to him, we have become enamored with our own success. We used to be the greatest nation on earth, not anymore. We're backsliding rapidly. But we, the people of God, the nation of God, we honor him in the morning, throughout the day. My wife, her favorite thing is to ride a bicycle, and she bikes for miles. I call it her trail of tears because she prays and she cries. Do you do that? Someone said the sin of America is the sin of the dry eye. We pray, but when's the last time we have wept and prayed? Because you can repent for our nation. It's called identificational repentance. Lord, have mercy on the United States of America. We have become a purveyor and exporter of filth around the world. Lord, we repent today for our nation. You can do that. We do it for our nation. We do it for some of our children. We do it for ourselves. We've learned to live a repentant lifestyle. Thankfulness and gratitude to God, to one another, have you heard of the rice experiment? This is cool. Dr. Dr. Isaru Emoto, Masaru, Dr. Masaru Emoto in Japan conducted a rice experiment. I want you to take a look. Dr. Emoto has conducted another interesting experiment. He placed rice into three glass beakers and covered it with water. And then every day for a month, he said, thank you to one beaker. You're an idiot to the second. And the third one, he completely ignored.
After one month, the rice that had been thanked began to ferment, giving off a strong, pleasant aroma. The rice in the second beaker turned black. And the rice that was ignored began to rot. Dr. Emoto thinks that this experiment provides an important lesson, especially with regard to how we treat children. We should take care of them, give them attention, and converse with them. Indifference does the greatest harm. Tell some dreamy story, but almost. Isn't that something? Now he just spoke positive things to one jar, negative things to the other jar, and ignored the third jar. You say, well, it's rigged, it's this. Well, okay. But I think we as believers understand the importance of words. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. We can speak life to those around us. In Africa, because we were white, we were constantly surrounded by children. And when children come, some of them are a bit bolder than others. You just put your hand on them. And I believe that, that there's an impartation. You can put your hand on a child and something transfers from you to that child. And you can speak words of blessing. I love you. I bless you. Aren't you beautiful? I'm not talking about flattery here. We're just talking about genuine gratitude, thankfulness, and appreciation. I think that's a wonderful, wonderful shirt you have on. We have every year, we go to Oshkosh, Wisconsin, during the last week in July. It's called Air Venture. Air Venture 2015 or 2014 is the greatest air celebration in the world. Thousands, anything that has to do with aviation is there. So we set up our Hellemission display, and we've discovered that the one way that we can connect with people is to find what they're wearing and target that. If they're walking, most people, they don't have too much time for helicopters. We're like the red-headed stepchild. The rest of them, they're all fixed wing. So myself and Ed Fischette, someone walks by, what does that t-shirt mean? Oh, well, that's where I went to school. Really? Okay, it's not rocket science. You target, you can compliment someone and engage and begin to converse and build a relationship. Now, there's two people in the New Testament I want to talk to you about, and then I'm done. These two people, if you go in the Old Testament, the word memorial is all over where they took stones and they made a pile of stones as a memorial to celebrate or to signify certain accomplishments and victories. But if you go into the New Testament, they're not, it changes. They're not stones as we know stones. They are living stones. And there's only two people who are mentioned as, <coughs> excuse me, as leaving a memorial. The first one, is in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 to 4. Acts 10, 1 to 4. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, 
a devout man, one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision, evidently about the ninth hour of the day, an angel of God coming to him and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it, Lord? And he said to him, Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial offering before God. This Roman, the leader of a hundred men, gave and prayed to the extent that it was before God as a memorial. God couldn't ignore it. He said to this angel, go down there and pay a visit to Cornelius. That's incredible. My father was a man of prayer. I'm not a man of prayer as much as my father was. But I tell you what, when life is hard, prayer is easy. And when life is easy, Prayer is hard. When we first got to Africa, we didn't know a thing. Everything was strange. Strange sounds, strange sights. We felt totally out of our element. Prayer was extremely easy. You just get on your face and say, my God, you have to help us because we're here and we have no idea what to do. But when life is... Easy. Now, prayer is a little bit more difficult. I love my office. The Hellenmission house is perfect. The lawn is perfect. And to go to my office and pray, it takes a little bit more uh, decision-making. I have to lean forward into it. But if you have been going through a hard time, you know, Prayer is easy. You pray all the time. You're on your motorcycle, you're praying. You're in your car, you're praying. You're on your bicycle. You're in, standing in line at the bank. That's where you really pray. <laughs> but when life is, and so when, when life is difficult, prayer is easy. Cornelius, he gave. Mike Schiaparino, used car salesman outside of Lima, died recently of cancer. And so his daughter came up from Texas and his son-in-law, and they have been going through the house because they've got to get it ready for auction June 9th. And as they're going through all the papers, they had no idea Mike was such a giver. If you tried to buy a car from him and tried to get a special price, you're up against a brick wall, brother. He was a, he was a bargain man. He knew what the car was worth. But behind the scenes, when no one was looking, the man gave. And gave. Incredible. The second verse that I want to read to you this morning is in Matthew 26, verse 23. Matthew 26, verse 
13. Did I say 23? Matthew 26, verse 13. Verily I say unto you, wheresoever this gospel shall be preached in the whole world, there also this, that this woman hath done, will be told as a memorial for her. You know the story. Mary and Martha, sisters, Lazarus was their brother. He died. They went, got Jesus. Jesus came back after four days, raised him from the dead. Incredible. They were a famous family, but because of Lazarus, but they were poor. They didn't have a lot of money. So Mary now, she comes to where Jesus is, and she has this alabaster box. That in itself was worth some money. She breaks it and pours out this very expensive ointment on the, the head of Jesus. And when she did that, two things happened. Aroma, fragrance filled the house, and criticism from the disciples. Why this waste? Judas, watch Mani, says Judas represents the world, and the world will be quick to be critical of anyone who is serving the Lord. What do you think you're doing? You've got a Harvard degree. You went to college for this? Watchman E says he was walking one day. He was broken in health, limping, using a stick. And he met one of his law professors. And his law professor says, Me, is that you? Let's have tea. So they went into the cafe and sat down. And his law professor looked at him and said, Now look here. When you were in school, we thought a lot of you. And then the professor looked at him from head to toe and said, is this all there is? Is this what you've made of your life? And watch me, he says, my first response was to break down and weep. But then immediately, he says, for the first time in my life, I sense the spirit of glory settle over me. And I knew I had made the right choice to follow Christ and to be poured out, holding nothing back. The world will say, why this waste? Have you met someone who's been crushed? Have you met someone who's been broken? From that life, you will sense, you don't have to be around them long, you will sense an aroma of Christ. It's true. This person, this woman, it was said of her, everywhere the gospel will be preached, she will be spoken of as a memorial. That means that wherever the gospel is preached, Sinners should be saved, yes. But the primary importance is when we meet Christ, we pour out everything to him. That means I exist to bless him. I exist to worship him. If all I do is get involved in Christian activity, however good that is, it's not the best. The best is to sit at his feet. And to say, Lord, I bless you today. 
at the darkest moment of my entire life, when thoughts of suicide were every moment of every day, I remember one morning I got up, four o'clock in the morning, and sat in the living room, and the Lord met me. He didn't say a word. He just sat with me. And I'll never forget it. When I get to heaven, it'll take me a thousand years just to thank him. That one morning, let me know, Ben, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. So with that kind of love, my response is, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. I will bless the Lord at all times. As I bless the Lord, he honors me, he blesses me, he makes a way for me, and I'm able to be a person of influence wherever I go. Not because I'm all that. It's awesome. It's just awesome. And it's simple. We come, we honor the Lord, we bless him, and then he makes away for us. Getting back to Lima Diner for a second. You know, when you live in Lima, you have to, your, your, your mission field has shrunk. It used to be Africa, and now it's Lima. And so I find that I, uh, I, have, I have found my little mission field, one of them, in Lima Diner. So this one guy comes in, and he's He's on these crutches like this. And he goes over, and I know him. And he sits down, I wave, he waves. And then he says to me, don't you people have any people up there at the end that pray? I'm right out there in the open. Don't you have any people up there at the end that pray? Kind of like, you know, here I am in these crutches. So I finished my breakfast, and I went over and just held his hand. And I said, Bob, I'm nothing special, but uh, I know there is a God that heals. I don't know if he will, but I know he can. I would like to pray for you right now. So I did. I prayed a simple prayer, asked God to bless him, use him, and, and heal him. He said amen, and the guy he was sitting with said amen. And that was it, planting another seed. I hate to talk about restaurants, but there's another restaurant in Lima. It's called George France. If you go to George France, that's, uh, that's another place where you can plant seed. So I was there, and I was talking to the Lord about somebody, uh, and I happened to glance at this guy, a Jewish gentleman, big, very wealthy, and he thought I was trying to speak to him. And he booms out in his voice, You save that for all those children up there on the hill. Okay? When he, I got that response from him, I drew a target on this man. <laughs> and I started going after him every chance I got to plant another seed, to express appreciation, not in a surface way, but I really began to connect. And over the next few years, we actually became friends. And he said to me one day, you know, you ought to take me to Africa. Wow, that was awesome. so amazing to me. So then I'm gone, and I come back, 
and I see his neighbor. And I say to Renee, where's, uh, where's Barry? Oh, you haven't heard? I said, no, what happened? He had a heart attack. He had a heart attack? Yeah, he's on the golf course. He goes to Florida, you know, in the winter. I said, yeah. He had a heart attack. I said, where is he? He's at Strong. So, you go to Strong, found his name, and I looked at the man in the bed, and I could not believe it was the same guy. And I walked in, he could barely talk. I said, Barry, what in the world? What happened? Heart attack. On the golf course. Heart attack. I said, man, I am so sorry. I, I, I wish I could get you out of here, get you on a golf course, do something. I says, and then I braced myself. I says, I'm going to pray with you. He shook his head like this. I took his hand, put it on his chest, and I prayed. Lord, touch Barry. Help him. Touch him. Reveal yourself to him. In Jesus' name. I said, okay, Barry, I'll be back. Came back a few days later. He had a trach. Couldn't talk. I said, Barry, how you doing? I said, what? Upstairs? I said, God? Took his hand again. I mean, here, this guy who would blast you if you got anywhere near the Bible in conversation with him. Now, he wants prayer. So I said, I quoted a scripture verse, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and I said, Barry, don't you fear a thing. Jesus Christ paid the price for you. Jesus Christ paid the price for you. Just thank him for it. Went to Oshkosh, came back. Sarah said, Barry's gone. I believe I'm going to see that man in heaven. And he's going to give me the biggest hug. <laughs> there are other people. You think, you know, God has seen hard hearts before. The harder they are, the easier they fall in some respects. There are some guys, they'd love to shock you. They love to put on this bravado, this big front. Just, hey, just be at, com just be at ease and reach in your quiver and put John 3.16 in your bow and let it go. Or something. The Holy Spirit will direct you as to what to say, what to do. And you can build a memorial. You can build a memorial with positive words, with positive action, by giving, by praying, by honoring God, by being thankful. We have so much to be thankful for. Let's pray. Lord, today, tomorrow's Memorial Day, but today, Lord, in simple faith, we just say we love you. We love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Thank you for dying for us on the cross. Oh, Lord, we pray, Lord, that in the coming week, even beginning today, you would give us pathways of entry. You would give us wisdom, discernment as to how we can reach others, how we can affect, how we can bless. I'm asking for everyone in this church today, 
everyone right now. Make us a blessing. You have blessed us, Lord, beyond description. We have so much, and so now we're just asking, make us a blessing somehow, Lord. Make us a blessing. Whether it's to give financially, whether it's to connect with a person that we have not connected with in so long, there's been resentment and ill will, help us to forgive and to reconnect. And Lord, you will help us. You will help us to do this. You will help us to build memorials. We thank you today for the United States of America. We thank you, Lord, for all those who have died for our freedom. Lord, for those who remain, the families of those who have lost loved ones, those, these recent wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, such a wound in our nation. But Lord, you can heal, you can restore, you can bless, you can comfort. Holy Spirit Comforter, come and minister to these families. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, for helping us to be a blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.